so good to be with you. I'm a little intimidated being able to speak to real live people, not just a camera and a camera stand tripod, right? It's great to be with all of you this morning, and it's great to be back in the room. And welcome to all of you that are dialing in from home. We are super excited that you guys are with us too. And this is weird speaking to you uh, in the in the kind of camera dynamic, right? It's great to speak to everybody in the room, but this is going to take some getting used to speaking to, in a sense, two different groups of people here, but today I'm super excited about launching a new sermon series that we've entitled Better Together. Better Together, because we truly believe that we are better together as the people of God. And whether that means that you're online gathering with us together, or whether that means you've invited a few people around into the context of your home, your life group maybe, and you gathering like that together, or whether you're right here in the room, we genuinely believe that it is better to be together as the people of God. And what you are, in other words, what kind of definition of gathering you are, that's less important, but that we are. That's the important part that we're wanting to speak to, that we are gathered together. Now, I realized that I was so excited about coming back together when I unnecessarily and unexpectedly started crying in a movie a couple of weeks ago. I was so looking forward to being back together. And what movie was it? Avatar. How many of you have watched Avatar, right? I was watching Avatar 2009, Big Blue People. It changed cinematography, I'm told, et cetera, et cetera. But we were watching this movie. We're introducing the kids to Avatar. And this guy, his name is Jake Sully, and he's a Marine, and he's lost the use of his legs. And he can't walk, and he's in a wheelchair, and and he signs up for this Avatar program. In other words, where his mind is going to be fused with another body so that he can operate in that body on this other planet. And so I want to show you a quick clip. It's just two minutes long. It was the unexpected place that I started crying, and I'll tell you why after we watch this. This is the moment where Jake's body is, is, comes alive with him being in the body for the first time, fused together, the first time he's able to use his legs in a couple of years. Let's watch the video clip together. Normal. How you feeling, Jake? Hey, guys. <laughs> Welcome to your new body, Jake. Good. We're gonna take this nice and easy, Jake. And touch your thumb to your fingers? Yeah. Thumb to your fingers. No problem. That's good. I can see you can remember that one. Got it. Well, if you want to sit up, that's fine. Okay, good. Just take it nice and slow, Jake. Good. Okay, well, no trunkal attacks here. That's good. Are you feeling lightheaded or dizzy at all? Oh, Are you wiggling your toes? Good, good Jake. <laughs> Just a motor control is good. Good. Are you Jake. feeling any numbness or pain? That's great, Jake. Hold on now, don't take it easy. Don't get ahead of yourself, okay? There's a few more sensory motor reflex tests we need to run, so take it easy. Oops. Wait. Jake. 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 Listen to me. Jake. I need you to sit down, Jake. It's okay. Listen to me. Felt good. I got this. Jake, you need to sit down. Guys, get him back on the gurney now. Listen to me. I'm safe. You need to sit down. You have. You need time to adjust to the action. Jake, 
carry on watching, right? But I'm watching this movie with my kids and by this point I'm bawling. Why? Because that I knew is going to be like me. I'm going to be just like that Jake's and Louise. Nobody's going to be able to stop me. I'm going to want to try and hug people. I'm going to try and want to just, just do what we do. Let us out. Let me run. I feel like my leadership legs have been taken for too long. And there's an opportunity to be back together as the people of God in this gathered format and in this uh, kind of way. And it's a beautiful thing, right? A beautiful thing. And I feel like in a sense, just like Jake, you see the pleasure he saw in his moving toes in the sand, in the dirt. And it's the pleasure that we have to feel that sense of community and together, even as we were worshiping this morning, just hearing other voices and not just my own and Kate's and the kids, Right? A beautiful dynamic of being together as the people of God. We've longed for this. And I know that not everyone is able to join us just yet. And we do long for that day of being able to be together, the whole church unified. But can I say, church, let's not let these COVID realities get us down. They're different, but let's not let them get the better of us. Let's be those who continue to rally together as the people of God. And I want to say well done. I want to say well done to all of you in the room and to those of you who are watching on the screens. If you've been a person who has regularly and faithfully prioritized being the gathered people of God, I want to say well done. Well done for rallying the kids, parents. I know that it's not easy, but this is important stuff for us as the people of God. Why? Because I believe that there is a war going on, a war going on for many people in this season, a war that many may not even be aware of. And it's a war for very important territory in our lives. Very important territory, the territory of whether or not you and I will continue to consistently and faithfully form part of the weekly gathered people of God. 
Recently, PJ, who leads our advanced global movement of churches that we are part of, he was speaking to us uh, as a leadership group, and and he said this. He said, COVID is a God-given kryptonite that has pushed churchgoers into the place of decision about whether we will stand and fight for being God's gathered people or whether we will give in to the three big traps of our worlds, consumerism, individualism, hedonism. Those are words he used. They're big words pretty much for saying my appetites on my terms for my pleasure. Are we going to fall into those traps is what he was saying. And then he told us the story of a, of a person in his church that had brought a prophetic word to their church. And I believe that it was a prophetic word not just to their church, to, but to the church and, and us included. And the, the prophetic picture was this. This person said that they saw two people dancing on the dance floor, and it was this slow and beautiful dance, and they were obviously enjoying it. But then next minute, the DJ changed the music, and the couple that was dancing and enjoying this moment, they stopped and they stood away from each other, and you couldn't hear what they were saying, but it was clear that they were communicating around whether or not they were going to continue on the dance floor, whether or not they were going to step off. And I believe it is a beautiful prophetic picture for us uh, about what many are feeling at this time. The music has changed. Things are different, but we've got to ask ourselves, what does this mean for us? Will we be those who decide to step off the dance floor because of these changes? Things aren't the way we would ideally have them. Some people have embraced the slowness of the season, maybe a bit of a slower tempo dance. And now as things start to dial back up, the question becomes, are we going to change the way we dance? And I would say, church, let's dance. Let's keep dancing. Because I believe that it is worth fighting for and prioritizing. And that this call to being God's gathered people must be stronger than any other Sunday options that we have. And this call to being God's gathered people must be stronger than giving in to Sunday feelings of laziness or leisure. That this call to be God's gathered people must be stronger than just saying, well, online's not really working for me anymore. And yes, I do think that many of us have experienced the the joy And the enjoyment of more family time, maybe less events in our lives, a slower pace of life. For many of that, that has been welcomed and well received. And I I think we should carry some of that goodness with us as we return into kind of a, a, a more usual pace of life. But can I say, let's be sure that we don't pick up the work pace again, and we pick up the social connection pace, and we pick up the sport pace, and we pick up the kids' parties pace. And then we say, oh, but we want to hold on to this family dynamic. And what's the first thing to go? Sundays has just become family day. Because we've said yes to all of those things without firstly placing the big rock of being the gathered people of God as a a faithful, regular rhythm for us as a family. The importance of that. Sundays and life groups are a privilege. And I would say that's the wrong way to make some good adjustments in your life is by seeing that displaced. This is a privilege. It's a powerful moment when we gather. We're going to unpack that a little bit more, and I believe it should be a priority for all of us. This this reality must be stronger than any of that. I have currently, just two days ago, finished a great book by a New York pastor, John Tyson, called Beautiful 
resistance, beautiful resistance. And he says this, he says, discipleship must be stronger than cultural formation. Loyalty to Christ must be stronger than compromise and comfort. And what we are doing as the people of God must be stronger than any new cultural onslaughts and yes, these COVID dynamics. All of this must be stronger than any of that. I think it's beautiful language. We can't slide off the dance floor of being the gathered people of God, of spiritual community. It's too special. It's too worth fighting for. It's too important to our spiritual flourishing. It's why people in rural Africa will walk for hours together with the people of God. It's why people in, in, in different parts of the world, you think of the underground church in, in China, it's why people are willing to risk imprisonment and hefty fines together with the people of God. It's why people in persecuted countries around the world will risk even their very own lives to come together as the people of God because it's that important. It's what God's people have always done and will always do because we are a first fruits people. What does that mean to be a first fruits people? It means that we give the first and the best of our lives to God. We give the first and the best of our morning to God in our personal quiet times, prioritizing Him in our days and putting Him first. We give the first and the best of our resources and finances to God to say, we're building your kingdom and not ours. We give the first and the best of our week Sunday mornings to God to be His gathered people. And we start our week enjoying His presence and adding our voices to Christ followers all around the world, the Christian choir, collective choir uh, that worship him and, and recognize him as God. And we, we come together to get refueled and to get reshaped. We come under the teaching of his word and we allow that to shape our hearts. We allow that to refuel and re-energize us so that we can go into the world and live as he would have us live. Because we don't want to be those that Hebrews warns against. Hebrews 10.25. We don't want to be those who neglect the coming together, do we? Do we, church? It's a pretty clear call and God included it in Scripture for our good. He knows us best and He loves us most. And when He says we should be the gathered church, it is for our flourishing. So this is what we're going to be unpacking over the next few weeks together. And I'm not sure how many of you can remember at the beginning of the year, we use one passage of scripture when we were speaking about the importance of, of, of kind of what it means to be apprentices of Jesus, what it means for us to, to, to follow him, what it means for us to practice his ways. Matthew 4 and verse 19, Jesus calls his disciples then, and he's still calling us today. He says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Three important things. Three important things. Firstly, do you remember the circles? We put these circles up. We spoke into this. Follow me. What does that speak of? It speaks of his desire for us to come and be with him and to enjoy his presence. And in his presence, the second thing happens. He makes us. He forms us. He shapes us. That's spiritual formation. And then he makes us into what? Fishers of men. That's our mission. That's our going out into the world and being his representatives. 
and fulfilling his agenda. And over these next three weeks, we want to take each of those three things and we want to unpack them a little bit more. And today we're starting with that one, presence. God's presence amongst the gathered people. And we want to show that when we're the gathered people, whether that's online and prioritizing, uh, gathering that way or in life groups or right here in the building as we are together here this morning, that when we prioritize it, we sense and experience God's presence and formation and mission are all cats. And that's what it means to be apprentices of Jesus and to become more like him. So let's look at presence here this morning. And I would want to say if you just looking in, maybe you're visiting here in the room or maybe you're dialing in online for the first time. We want to say that, that we believe that this is a great place to explore the claims of the Christian faith. And my hope would be that even today as you listen in, that you would experience something of God's presence tangibly with you where you are. And I hope that you would get a sense of why we as Christ followers believe that this is so important for us to gather in God's presence to be amongst us. And I I personally just would hate for this to be a practical kind of cerebral exercise. Because we are gathered we gathered right here in this room. Let's welcome God's presence amongst us. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is you and it's you alone that we look to and that we gather to this morning. And we thank you that you are with us. Thank you, God, that you promise you'll never leave or forsake us. Thank you that, God, you are here this morning. And we welcome you amongst us. Won't you convict our hearts? Won't you lead us on? Won't you call us into alignment with being your people? Come Holy Spirit, to those who need your affirmation and confirmation, we pray that you would meet them where they're at. To those who need your comforts and your reassurance and your your presence to just uphold them, God, we pray that you would meet them where they're at. God, as as we gather to your name, more than anything, we pray that you would be glorified. Glorified in the assembly of, of this gathering. Glorified as we lift our hearts to making much of you. Come and be present amongst your people. We welcome you. We recognize you. We enjoy you this morning. Amen. Amen. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to fly over the whole of Scripture. Can you believe it? We're going to cover the whole thing this morning. But what I want to do is I want to ask the question, how is God's presence uniquely and powerfully experienced when God's people are gathered together to him? And we're going to start right at the beginning. Yes, we can say, we can say, oh, God is everywhere. We know that, right? God is everywhere. That's why the psalmist can say in Psalm 139, there's nowhere we can go to flee from your presence. We recognize God is everywhere. He's promised he'll never leave us or forsake us. But there's a tension that has to be held because God is both everywhere, but also when we look at Scripture, we see very clearly that God is also more powerfully and more specifically present in some places at some times. That's why we can say God is everywhere and also God is here. We've got to hold that together. Throughout Scripture, though, we see God's commitments to wanting to be present amongst His people. And we start right at the beginning. In the garden with Adam and Eve, it says He he walked with them and spoke with them in the garden. A beautiful picture of His presence with them in relationship. 
But we know where that story ends, right? What happens is they make their own choices. They choose to go their own way. And what's the first consequence? It says they hid themselves from God's presence. Straight away, when we choose to go our own way, we make our own choices. We find ourselves having to hide ourselves from God's presence. And ultimately, what happens is we see them then separated out from God's presence. What do we learn in the garden? We learn in the garden that it's our rebellion that chooses other things that lead to separation. That's not God's intention at all. John Tyson in this book, he says this. He says the central thing the church is designed to be is a place for his presence. Many of the things that we think about when we think about God, laws, sacrifice, priests, and theological confessions, they were never intended to play the central role that they've come to play in our faith today. From the very beginning, God's purpose and passion was to be present with his people. Genesis opens with, a, with God in a garden, walking with humility in the cool of the day. Isn't that beautiful? And we want to experience that in our lives. We can then move on from the garden. We can move to Mount Sinai, the first place where we see God powerfully coming upon his collective people, coming and meeting with them. See, they've just come out of Egypt. They've seen the plagues, and now they find themselves uh, gathering to God. Exodus 19 tells us the story. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai is covered with smoke because the Lord standing right here. And a couple who were unable to fall pregnant coming forward and tears in their eyes saying, we just would love God to touch our lives in this way and provide. And we prayed and weeks later, not even months, weeks later, we got the, the positive news that they had fallen pregnant. When God's people gather in his name, he meets them powerfully. He speaks, speaks words of life and change and goodness to our lives. This is part of the privilege of being the gathered people of God. And yes, can God do it when we're on our own? He totally can. We've all experienced that, right? But God seems to do it in powerful and concentrated ways when we gather in his name and worship evenings and prayer meetings and Sundays like this. Moses knows the presence of God. Moses knows how important the presence of God is to his life and his spiritual flourishing and his journey. So much so in Exodus 33, he says these powerful words, and I'd hope that they are true of my life and yours. He says this, if your presence will not go with me, Lord, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? I and your people, it is not in is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? That's what, that's what Moses prays for. That's what he longs for. And I pray that for us as Common Ground Church, that we would experience something of being marked by the presence of God. And the way we come together and the way we go out, we'd be marked by his presence. Keeping moving in scripture, next we see the tabernacle. This is the garden into Mount Sinai, into the tabernacle. No longer does God sometimes rock up on the mountain. God now chooses to presence himself in the tabernacle, or the, also known as the tent of meeting, right? He's in this dwelling place. He has made a dwelling place among his people. And powerful things happen there too. Numbers 11, we see uh, Moses and the people are, are gathered. And, and now there's too many people and there's too many problems for Moses as a leader. I know nothing about that, right? 
but there's too many people and too many problems. So what, what happens is he goes to God. God speaks to him. Verse 16, Numbers 11. Gather for me 70 men of the elders of Israel, who, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring them to the tent of meeting. And let them take their stand there with you. And I will come down and talk with you there. And I will take some of the spirit that is on you. And I will put it on them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you. So that you do not bear it yourself alone. Moses does what he's told. And what happens? The spirit of God comes upon the people. These leaders and gifts. uh, They start to prophesy as, as leadership gifts come upon them. And guess what? There's good news for those of you who are watching online too. Some of the people that weren't even in the tent of meeting, they start to prophesy and there's these two other guys and some of the guys are jealous. They weren't even with us. But they get some of the Spirit of God touching their lives too and it's beautiful. There's hope for you at home. See, this still happens today as we gather as the people of God. God gives gifts to His church. And God speaks powerfully and prophetically. It happens in life groups and on Sundays, worship evenings, prayer meetings. This is where the action happened. God is still wanting to, to give gifts to his people. Leadership gifts are recognized and deployed. And to be honest, over this lockdown period, I think this is one of the things I've missed the most. Last Sunday we got together. There was some spontaneous worship, three different prophetic encouragements, people praying out loud. The gifts of the body, body ministry. We've got to create more room for it. I'm determined as a leader as we come back into gatherings like this that we will create more room for this. It's one of the things that I've missed the most as we've been online and Sony and Tripod and all those things have just needed to play their part When God's people gather, the Spirit empowers ministry and ministers. That's what we learn from the tabernacle. Then we can move on. The tabernacle gets formalized even more in the building of the temple in Jerusalem. Can't even say Jerusalem without saying Jerusalem, right? You want to put an A on the back. You want to start dancing. and The tune's in your head right now, I know. Solomon builds this beautiful temple. It is glorious and wonderful. It's known throughout the known world of the time. There's no more tent, no more moving around. God is honored in the beauty and in the permanence of the temple. And the people long to come to the temple. They find joy in their gathering. Psalm 122 verse 1 records their joy when it says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go to the house of the Lord. And this highlights another beautiful thing that is so pertinent to our lives today. It says this in Scripture, Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Guys, let me just tell you, I think our world is becoming more and more cynical. Cynicism is pervading every single conversation every single outlook in our world. And what is the antidote that God has for our cynicism? His presence, his presence. He wants to bring a a fortification and a joy and a strength to us. I believe his presence will be a bastion of hope and light and strength to us as his people. Because in his presence, there's fullness of joy. We've got the good news already. We know who wins in the, uh, we know where we're going. How is the cynicism creeping into our lives? No, we are set apart. We are distinct. As Moses said, from every other people group on the face of the earth. Why? Because we are marked by his presence. And in his presence, there's fullness of joy. 
Unfortunately, though, we see how this moves forward for the Israelites. Unfortunately, again, they give in to their idolatry, their choices, their preference. And again, they eventually are removed from God's presence. The temple gets destroyed by the Babylonians. His rebellious people are taken out into exile. Again, it's separated out from the presence of God because of their wrong prioritization, their wrong intention towards God. But he doesn't leave them there. The next major movement of the presence of God is what? Jesus himself. Jesus himself. And we see this in John 1.14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Do you know that that same word dwelt is used in, in Exodus 40? What is it about? It's about him tabernacling with us. If tabernacling is a word, I don't know. He was amongst us, and he wanted his people to gather to him. That's why he keeps saying, come, come, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me, come to me, and I will make you. Jesus' invitation to us as the people of God today is still, come, come, gather to me. We find that this still happens when we gather people watching in online, and particularly for those of you who are watching this on Tuesday evening before Life Group. Can we not dial in church to CGC catch up? Yes, DSTV catch up gives you the opportunity to catch up on what you missed out on because you couldn't make it or you had another priority. But let us not be a CGC catch up church where we choose other things in the moment when the church is gathered on a Sunday morning and then we just decide, oh, later in the week I'll catch up. Maybe you don't even participate in the whole service. You just jump to the, the kind of sermon section so that you're not caught out at life group. And I'm not trying to come down on us, but I believe it with all of my heart. Our collective worship matters. And it matters to God. And so if it matters to Him, it should matter to us. Being a first fruits people making sure that we're prioritizing, please no common ground. Please no to CGC catch up. Let's keep moving. Don't know where I am. Lastly, the last movement of the presence of God is a powerful one. It's a future reality. Lastly, our sweep of scripture takes us forward to the book of Revelation where we see this glorious picture of God's presence being fully, completely, forever, eternally with his people. Revelation 21, verse 1 through 4 says this. tells us about it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things will have passed away. That's our future glory we look forward to in the presence of God as the gathered people of God. We don't get to disconnect those things. Every time that we gather as God's people and we welcome his presence amongst us, I believe that we are displaying a prophetic picture of an age to come. A prophetic picture. So I hope you can see from the Garden of Eden to Mount Sinai, 
to the tabernacle, to the temple, to Jesus himself, the Holy Spirit, and even that future glance of eternity. I hope that you can see that it is clear that God longs to presence himself amongst his gathered people. He longs to do it. And when we gather like we have right now, he is present. He longs for us to worship him and to experience him and enjoy him. He longs for our hearts to be shifted and changed. I'm going to speak some more about that next week. And he presences himself most powerfully amongst us when we gather. I believe if we want to take him seriously, we want to take the spiritual life of our seriously and participate in what he is doing, that we need to do everything we can in all of our lives to prioritize these moments on a Sunday, whether that is online or whether that is in person like you guys are. In life groups on Wednesdays, in our personal devotions, in our family devotion rhythms. I love how John Tyson puts this. He says, every time we gather as a church on a Sunday, we are making a public statement to the world that uh, world around us that we can't be bought. We can't be bought. You have evidenced that today, church, as you've gathered in this moment. You cannot be bought. I woke up this morning where I had my quiet time, looks out kind of over the houses and, and the, kind of up over Pinelands onto the mountain, right? Glorious sunny day. You know what? Which words came into my mind? Maybe my cynical pessimism. You do something else. Bought by, I don't say that in condemnation. I was actually in my own self going, God, may we be a people that evidence that we cannot be bought. He continues, in these moments of gathering, you are saying your heart will remain steadfast. Your resistant, potent, and your vision glorious. Repentance and worship become your rhythm, and idols are resisted and replaced. Tiny outposts of worship, just like this, can defy principalities, reconcile communities, and transform history. God is at war for the worship of our hearts. I know I'm preaching to the choir here today. You're like, Ryan, why are you bringing it on so strong? I'm here. And you are, and I'm glad you are. But guys, we're fighting for the very fabric of who we are as God's people. I believe it's important that we actually preach these messages. We don't just tap ourselves on the shoulder for the one in three that we made it. No, we want to own this stuff at a deep core level. Well done. Well done for making it. Well done to those of you who've dialed in. We can't wait for you to be in the room. We know there's many real reasons why many people can't gather. But I wonder who in your community, who in your friendship circles could you be calling back into gathering, into community, into experiencing what we're speaking about? Recently, we called up some of our friends. We know them well enough to know they haven't really been dialing in online. We said, hey, guys, why don't we come and participate in church together on Sunday morning? Then we brine. We have something lacquer to drink and we hang out together. And they came and at the end of the time together actually said these words. We've realized that there's a richness that we've maybe been missing out on. And I think that's true. God throughout scripture has shown that he desires to be with us, his gathered people. May we evidence our desire to be the gathered people that he can be among. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we worship you today because you are here. 
You are here. There's beauty in your presence. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. God, I pray that something of this conviction that I feel, that many of the people in the room feel, many of the people that are participating from their homes feel today. God, may you intensify this conviction that we would be your gathered people so that we may enjoy your presence. Because in it, there is fullness of joy. Because in it, we gain more of your heart. Because in your presence, God, you are able to minister your hope and your compassion and your touch to our lives that so desperately need you. God, in your presence, you are able to conform and change and shape us into your very likeness. In your presence, gifts are given to your body that are for the edification, the uplifting, the the building of the body. God, may we be those who find ourselves participating. I want to say once again, come Holy Spirit. Won't you convict us of compromise in our lives? We know you don't do that out of your rule book. You do that out of a father's heart. You desire to see us flourishing in this life. You desire to see us being those who live not for this life, but for the future life that you've attained for us. God, may we find ourselves freshly enjoying, prioritizing the rhythms of being the gathered people of God. Amen. Amen. Just before we move into singing this last song and closing our time together, I wonder if there's anybody that right now just feels like they would appreciate being prayed for. And we're still trying to work out this social distancing dynamic and all that kind of stuff. But right where you are, why don't you stand? And I'd love to pray for you specifically. Maybe if you at home are watching this, you know you're raising the hand of your hearts. If you'd appreciate prayer. I'm not sure what your circumstance is. I'm not sure what you are asking of God. I'm not sure maybe what stood out to you out of what's been said here today. But if you know you need to do business with God or you are calling out to Him, crying out to Him, I would just love the opportunity to pray for you specifically. And there's almost like an evidence of faith saying, yes, God, that's me. If you stand where you are and the rest of the community is going to look towards you and we're going to pray for you. Numerous people in the venue, maybe you've raised the hand of your heart where you're standing at home. Church, let's, let's just pray for these people. Right from where you are, why don't you just pray for these people? They need us as brothers and sisters to evidence body ministry and raising them to our Father. Every single one of these people in the room here today, God, I ask that you would move in on their lives. You know exactly what they are asking for. You know exactly what they need, God. You know the longing, the desire, the, the, the wrestle in their hearts, whatever it may be, God. And we as their brothers and their sisters, in this moment of gathering, we choose to collectively lift them to you, God. I pray for provision and breakthrough. I pray for healing. I pray for broken hearts. I pray, God, that you would confirm your will to people who are asking for your leadership and your, your kind of breakthrough in speaking to them. When we gather, you speak. I pray you would speak, God, to these people. For those that are at home, Lord, you know every single one of them, what they need and what they're longing for. I pray, Father, won't you minister to them. May your spirit 
come upon them outside of the tent of meeting just like it did to Moses and his guys. Thank you that we can be those who long for you together. There's no shame. There's great strength in recognizing our weakness because in our weakness, you are strong, God. So today we say, minister your truth to these people. Why don't we stand, church, all of us. Let's sing this last song together.